Welcome to Walker New Life Assembly's Sermon of the Week, where, as always, it's all good news. For more info on how to get involved in our church or to partner with our ministry, please visit us at walkhamnewlifeassembly.org. And I can't tell you, that this, this message, this series that, that we're going to be entering into for the next few weeks this, I believe, with all my heart, is, is something the Lord wants us to get a hold of. And not just us at Wacom New Life. I'm talking about his church, his bride. I believe the Lord wants to take us to a next level in our prayer. Amen? Amen. Who would be excited to go to a next level? I mean, maybe we should start there. I'm just happy where I'm at. <laughs> Do you want to go deeper in the Lord? Do you want to see him transform your life? Do you want to see the world around you transformed? Yes? Well, then you got you to gotta get a hold of this. Because the Lord wants to take us to next level prayer, next level relationship. And so for the next few weeks, and today I, we're going to lay the foundation of a series called Don't Pray Your Way to Poverty. Okay? <laughs> Don't pray your way to poverty. I know what that sounds like, but it's not what you're thinking, okay? Uh, it's, this isn't a pull yourselves up by your bootstraps and go get her done because God's not doing anything, right? Okay? This is not what this, this, this is about, okay? I remember, um, and I, I mentioned this on Facebook, but my first sermon that I ever got to preach in adult church, right? I was a youth pastor, so, I, you know, you can do whatever you want with them, but when you get before adults, you better be careful. So my, my pastor finally trusted me that I could preach in adult church. And, and I, I just poured my heart out, and, and my heart is always about faith and only believing and trusting in the Lord, because I believe that the Lord will accomplish his work, right? And, and, and really, what I need to do is just follow and cooperate. I don't want to get ahead. Of, I want to believe, trust, and let God do his thing, okay? I still believe that. But uh, after my sermon, you know, and you know when you're when you're when you're in your twenties, like yeah, that was great. I, I'm walking. I was walking in the foyer, and this arm grabbed me and pulled me into the office. And it, it was this this gentleman from the church. He shuts the door and he's like, "I didn't like what you preached on." And I'm like, "Oh, you know, I'm just it's my first sermon too, folks. All right." And he's like, he's like. I believe that the Lord wants us to pull, us, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. That's what he said. And he's like, and what about the verse that says God helps those who helps themselves? We need to get, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, I don't think that's even in the Bible. But, uh, but I'm not going to talk against this elderly gentleman because, you know, he's, he's uh, been around longer than me. But uh, anyway, that was his, liter- his, his belief. And I'm like, oh, okay. And, and, and yeah, it was a wonderful day, you know. Just felt so blessed. That's not what this is. I fully believe we don't, unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain that build it, right? You can build something magnificent, but if it's your strength and your brilliant idea that made it happen, at the end of your life, whoosh, it's going to smash. It'll burn, all right? So here's what, here's what I'm talking about. Don't pray your way to poverty. What we want to get into, and I believe what the Lord wants to do in his church in his people, is to show us how to pray the huge prayers, how to pray the dead-raising, healing prayers, these, these, these amazing prayers, while at the same time being blissfully joyful 
in your circumstance. Okay? At the same time, you know, I, I can really get desperate in prayer when I feel the winds trashing me and getting beat down. Oh, no, no, no. But the Lord wants to take us to a level where no matter what storms may come, we're like, I love you, Father. I'm going to smile in the storm. And I believe that too many of us, and, and Pentecostal Christians, we can sometimes be the worst at this. Because we, we folks, we believe every word in this scripture, right? We stand on this word. If the Bible says it, I pray it. And we see these things accomplished. But we are often tempted to have this style of Christianity. Oh God, Lord, I just Lord, would you just come through for this 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 bill that needs to come do, 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 January 15th. Oh no, the bill happened and I didn't have the money in the account for it. God, I thought you loved me. Why? Bob has all the money in the world. Have you seen his house? I can't even pay my heat bill. <laughs> Folks, the Lord wants to deliver his church from temper tantrum Christianity. He wants to teach us the next level of faith. We believe, we believe, and we trust. This is vital. When my child holds, throws a tantrum on the floor, Josiah, he's 14, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll hear about that later. As my two, three-year-olds laying on the floor, kicking and screaming, we've all seen those kids, whether they were yours or not, as a dad, I still love them. But I sure want to chisel them a little bit. <laughs> right? Because parents, if we don't teach our kids to stop throwing a tantrum, the tantrum just gets more sophisticated. And it becomes manipulation. And, and if we don't do the job of raising our children after the Lord and chiseling the things off that need to be chiseled off, we will have sophisticated tantrums. And many of us are very good at sophisticated tantrums. If you'll show my video real quick, please. That's a video of my niece, Adri, yesterday at Target. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got one on Josiah. I just had to make it even, Adri. I'm so sorry. Listen, church, we all recognize that as naughty, right? <laughs> We're like, there needs, something needs to be changed in that, right? That is called a tantrum. In church, there is no faith in a tantrum. I need the popsicle. And you didn't give me a popsicle. And Zen's got a popsicle. Ah, get out! Tantum Christianity needs to stop. You won't, you won't see the divine nature and the power of God in a tantrum ever. 
And we often, we get really good at trying to manipulate God. Hold the phone here. We might step on some toes. God Almighty, my praise and love, I love you. (laughs) The one I adore. If, If you will deliver me from this mortgage, I'll do anything for you. I will be a faithful wrestling servant of you. I will give all that I have to the poor. Folks, that is a sophisticated tantrum. There's no faith there at all. Listen up, church. Listen up. How about this one? Oh, you know what? I'm going to fast till I get my breakthrough. Okay? I am going to fast until I get my breakthrough. First of all, it ain't your breakthrough to begin with. If it's your breakthrough, it's breaking through nothing. God's breakthrough. And second of all, all that kind of a fast is, is a sophisticated tantrum. That's all it is. I had my cousin, when she was little, she was younger than me, she would, when she would get mad, oh, sorry, you don't, you're not going to have a sucker. And I didn't do this to her. Her parents did. They were the bad ones. You don't get this, you don't get this sucker till you finish your vegetables. Nah! And she would literally do this. She would scream and hold her breath until she passed out. Well, wait, a, since you fasted so, so, so wonderfully, daughter, or little girl, here's that sucker. You've convinced me. Folks, that's not fasting. Fasting has, you don't deny yourself food so that God will somehow now see it your way. That's not a fast. That's a tantrum. I've talked about what a fast is. Yes, I deny myself food so I can spend more time focused. I deny the the lusts of my heart, the desires, so that I can get in tune with my Father and talk about whatever He wants to talk about. He'll lead me into what He wants to talk about. That's not faith, folks. That's not faith. These are sophisticated. Because we think that we know better than God. We think that, that we have more compassion. Like, listen, I am going to fast and pray. And I'm going, until, until abortion is illegal in this country, I will not eat another bite. As if my compassion is greater than the Heavenly Father who loves and adores those babies more than you could ever understand. Oh God, why won't you come through for these these poor folks? Why won't you break through in this situation? Oh God, my clearly my compassion and my love is deeper than you. Because you're not doing it. That's tantrum laying on the floor. That's not faith. Why did that little girl in the video throw a tantrum? Because she felt powerless. And the one that she knew could provide for her need refused to do it. Okay, you're in the, we, I, you've probably been in the situation with your own kids, or you were the kid. You're in the toy store, and you know that you need that G.I. Joe. I, I need it, right? Because all my friends have five G.I. Joes, I only have one, and I need somebody else for my G.I. Joe to play with. And mom is standing there, and I, Ma, I know in mom's purse, there's this magical card that has unlimited funds on it. And all she has to do is swipe it at the counter and that G.I. Joe will be mine. 
But I don't have a magical card. I don't have any money. I'm just a kid. And so I have to fully trust that mom will, will provide for me. And in that moment, she says, no, I'm not buying this for you today. <gasps> I have to throw a tantrum because it's the only power I think I have. And when you boil it down, it's just because I don't trust that mom loves me. And that mom knows better than me. In my two-year-old sophistication, I believe that I know what I need more profoundly than my mother, than my father. And when we act the way, that way towards God, what we're saying, we're, we're like two-year-olds. Like, I know this is what you want. It's clearly what you want. Why won't you do it? And when the end of the season comes and the answer was no, God, I thought you loved me. I, how can you possibly love me when you didn't do what I had told you to do? Because we don't feel powerless. And when it boils down, we don't trust that he is the good father, that his ways are much higher than mine, his thoughts are higher than mine. He sees the end from the beginning. Now, folks, I'm not telling us to stop praying bold prayers and ask for all the G.I. Joes you want. Honestly, the Bible says ask for anything. It's an open book. I'm saying we ask for anything and everything. And we say, and I trust you. I trust you even if the G.I. Joe doesn't come. I trust you if I get five G.I. Joes or the wrong G.I. Joe. Because your ways are better than mine. And folks, there is, folks, listen to this, please. There is rest there. There is rest only in that trust. If you get to the end of that thing and all you can do is rail at God and get mad at God and scream at him and, and boil him down, all you're going to find is more anxiety, more despair, more depression, more anger. You will never find peace unless you say, I trust you. I trust you even though the storm is still raging outside of the boat. The Lord wants to bring us in to incredible levels of faith. There is a rest when you trust God. Now again, we pray big prayers. We believe big things. Because God does greater things than we could even ask for. We believe every word that, the word that the Bible says. God is a healer, amen? God is a healer, amen? amen. I could go, we could go on and on about, about miracles of healing. I could tell you about the time my knee was miraculously healed by God, just like that. Can anybody here raise your hand? Just, just, uh, just have everybody raise your hand. Has God ever miraculously healed you? Anybody here? Quickly look around, folks. God doesn't do those things anymore. Um, what? Let me ask you another question. Is God our provider? Does he provide all of our needs? Does he, does he bless? Does he do that? Yeah? The Bible says that. Has anybody here ever had miraculous provision that you're like, there's no way that should have happened? <laughs> Folks, I'm telling you, this is who God is. And this is, this is why we continue to ask and we seek and we knock. And if we knock, the door will be open to us. We believe, we believe. That's our only job is to believe. That's who we are. That's what we believe. 
But can I tell you a couple of non-miracles? And I know we've, we, we can easily point these out in our lives. I call them non-miracles from my perspective. But I can tell you some very heart-wrenching, heartbreaking, devastating things that I walked through. When my mom was in her 40s, she was diagnosed with a leukemia. I'm a faith person. I only believe. I prayed every prayer in this word. Okay? We called the elders of the church. We anointed her with oil. I fasted for 40 days. I, I, we did everything we possibly could. We believed, we believed, and we prayed and expected only wholeness. And a few years ago, as when my mom was 62, I sat by her bed while she passed away from this disease. And even in that moment, I'm a man of faith, remember? I waited until everyone else was out of the room. <laughs> but I prayed only a faith-filled prayer, and I said, Lord, even now, heal my mother. And a few hours later, when she breathed her last, I was numb. I was confused. I was hurt, yeah. I didn't get my breakthrough. I could tell you another story about my, I, my cousin has shared here. She'd always prayed and asked the Lord for, for twins. And when she was pregnant for the first time, she was, oh, you've got twins. And then some, some issues started to come up. And, and, and she would call me, and, and we would pray faith-filled, only believing prayers. Yes, Father, you're going to save these kids. And, 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 and only believe all the way to the end. And, and those twins passed away in her arms as they were born. Pregnant again, more another set of twins. Oh my goodness, this doesn't run in the family. Lord, this can only be from you. And she loses those ones too. And even then, we're praying in faith. And folks, I am not trying to, to bring us down to a despair level. God does amazing, mighty miracles. But in those moments, I'm not negating that I feel something. I feel a little numb. I feel a little, what was that? all about. I don't understand all these things. But let me tell you this. The temptation of those moments, and I think we've all walked through similar moments like this, there is a very real temptation to do one of a couple of things. One, to rant and rail at the living God and declare he is something that he's not and accuse him of being this thief, accuse him of being the one who steals, kills, and destroys, and say, why God? And throw myself on the ground and kick and scream and throw a tantrum. That's one response. Another response, equally as, de as devious and evil, is to then somehow say, okay, clearly God doesn't do what his word says. And so I'm going to shrink the word of God. I'm going to shrink God down into a level I can now understand. And I'm going to create a theology that gets him off the hook for not healing my mom. Equally as, as vicious of a lie. Because I've lied about God and I've claimed something about him who, it, who he's not. And I've shrunk him down to a level that I can understand. 
And what you're left with, folks, if, you, if, if this is where you land, you are left in a state of poverty. And this is why I say don't pray your way to poverty. Poverty happens. Here's the definition of poverty. Poverty is very simply the, uh, I got it right here, the state of being inferior in quality or insufficient in amount. If I expect, if my breakthrough doesn't happen, and so I boil God down into something inferior, I'm at a, I have a poverty now mentality. I live in poverty financially, I live in poverty physically, theologically, and my life is just a let's just get her done until I die. And now I'm in a poverty state. God is not inferior in quality or insufficient in amount. Can somebody say amen to that? So I didn't get the miracle that I was asking. And so what's my temptation? Well, let me just fill out, a, we're Americans, right? We love, we love sharing our opinions about the process. Let me fill out an exit survey for you, God, and tell you how that experience was for me, right? I went to our, our conference this last week, and they send us an email right afterwards. Hey, please tell us how we did. Fill out this exit survey, and I'll tell you how I did, all right? I didn't like this about what you did in this service. I felt you should have done that. Listen, I wasn't a jerk, all right? But we like that. I'm going to share my opinion. And so what we do is we, oh, I was disappointed. I didn't get what I thought God was supposed to do. And here's my exit survey to you. Send. Listen. God loves you. Please, please hear this. You can rant and rave at him all the time, and he'll look at you. I still love you. Please get off the floor and stop throwing things at me. I still love you, right? He's, he's our good, good father. But I want to tell you something very clearly, Americans. He's not interested in your exit survey about him. He's not looking for, to find out the polling data on you, his approval rating from you. He is God. He is God. You're wrong. Somehow, I don't understand how, but my perspective is wrong. He is right. Every, let God be true and every man a liar. So I want to tell you something. God is not interested in, in your exit survey. He's still interested in you even if you submit one for him. But the exit survey, the polling data, the approval rating Christianity is tantrum Christianity. It's not faith. I think I can manipulate God enough to make him do what I think he needs to do. And you will live in a state of mental poverty, emotional poverty, the rest of your life if you continue down that path. But can I give you a testimony of a miracle? You're like, please do. These were just two examples, but I, I'm, not I'm not just blowing smoke here. I want you to, this is completely honest from my heart. I walked through these situations, and I love the Lord more deeply and profoundly now than I did before them. 
I really do. I, I can't even, I, I was trying to put into words the, the depth of intimacy I felt with my creator when I was disappointed in what, what, the ex, what didn't happen. The, the moment of, I just felt like he, I can't even explain it. I love him so much more now than I could possibly imagine. And it's because, yes, I had some moments of frustration, but at the end of the day, I'm like, but Father, I trust you implicitly. You see, this is what faith is. I trust you implicitly. That word implicit means without any conditions. No matter what the performance is, no matter what my expectations are, I trust you no matter what, and I will stand in faith. Even though you slay me, I will trust in you. That's called faith. Now, (laughs) it doesn't sound like a wonderful way to live. I can't tell you how wonderful it is. There's so much rest there. There's so much peace there. The storms will come. They will rage. It's a promise. There's going to be storms all around you. But you have the promise to be planted by streams of living water, even though through a drought you will drink deep. You may not get all the results that you are expecting every single time. Praise the Lord for that. What a fickle people we are. What a fickle people we are. I can't say, I've been journaling my prayers this entire year. And, 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 and I, ask, I ask the Lord for big things, folks. Please ask the Lord for bigger things than you could. Sometimes I laugh when I'm running. Oh, I'm going to ask him for this. Oh, he's going to laugh at me. But I'm going to believe and I'm going to ask you for it. Because the Bible says I can. But I'll tell you, the things I ask God about daily, they, they go like this even. In fact, this week I was cracking up at myself. Because I had asked God for something just the day before. I'm like, Lord, and, I, and, I, and it was a fervent prayer. It was a powerful prayer. And it was like, and this is what I'd love to see you do, Lord. This is amazing. This is what I want. And then the next day, the very next day, I'm sitting there to do my journal, and I'm praying. I'm like, I don't know if I really want that anymore. <laughs> and I sat in my office laughing my face off at me. And I just laughed, and I threw my hands up, and I said, Lord, let your will be done. Because my will is so fickle. And, and I don't even know what I want half the time. I, I can, I somehow I can describe how I feel, but my feelings aren't faith. Faith is a firm foundation of knowing who God is in a covenant. See, there's a difference between a commercial Christianity and a covenant Christianity. Let me tell you what a commercial Christianity is. A commercial Christianity is expecting God to continue to advertise his wonders to you. Remember, and there's more, but wait. Let me, oh, they're losing interest. Let's use Facebook now. All right. And now let's, let's throw in a new car. All right. If you keep drinking Coke, you will get a new car because Pepsi was beating us in the ratings. God is not sitting here trying to figure out how to entertain you and get your attention back to him. He loves you. He's got all creation advertising for him. He doesn't need to do it. But what he has done is he laid down a covenant which says, no matter what you do, I'm with you. That's what a covenant is. That's why Jesus laid his life down. Not because he felt like it in the moment. Not not because it was the cool thing to do. He laid his life down because this is what a covenant does. Some of us in our marriages are living a commercial uh, covenant with our spouses. As long as you continue to do those dishes for me, honey, we're good, all right? 
right? Anything, we can list all these things. As long as my expectations are met, my needs, my emotions, all those things, then I'm still good. But you know what? Pepsi's looking pretty good right now because Pepsi promises my way right away. No, that's McDonald's. That's commercial covenant. And, And that's, well, okay, let's move on. That's not, that's not the relationship Jesus has towards you, and that's not what he's invited you into either. He's invited you into a covenant which says, no matter what I am in, I lay it all down, and I believe, and I trust. I will pray bold prayers. I will pray amazing prayers. But even though you slay me, I will trust in you because your ways are higher than mine. I trust you implicitly. I don't change my mind about who God is in those moments. I know who he is. I know who he is. And I continue to stand on that truth. Now I want to quickly read read some scripture here for you. Listen, this is just a foundation. We're going to get into more scripture in the weeks to come. But I want to quickly start in Luke chapter uh, 11. I'll just read it off here. Verses 1 through 4. This is where Jesus is teaching us how to pray. Okay? If Jesus is teaching us, it's a good idea to pay attention, right? So here's what it says. Now it came to pass, he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. You look like you know what you're doing. Can you teach us to pray like John taught his disciples? So he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. First of all, oh, you're holy, you're worthy. That's who you are. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, here is your open door to pray for anything. Anywhere you see that the kingdom of God needs to be. Hey, that's the deepest, darkest Peru, and they need Jesus. Let your kingdom come. Hey, listen, there's lack and there's there's debt here. Lord, let your kingdom come, because there's no lack or debt in the kingdom of God, right? Come on, amen. Amen. Thank you. I'm not making this up. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, our provision. Yes, Lord. And forgive, forgive our sins. We're going to skip over the next verse because we don't want to read it. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who's indebted to us. And <laughs> I'm not, this isn't my point here today, but this is profound. Do you realize forgiving somebody isn't just saying, hey, I forgive you. Forgiving someone is saying, God, I forgive them. I have to forgive God. I have to forgive somebody to God in that covenant. I have to let it go. I have to completely let go of it because it's, now I'm held to a higher standard of that forgiveness. And I'm comparing it to how he forgave me. That's how you forgive somebody else. Lord, I know how depraved and how stupid my thoughts have been. I know what I, what I did last summer. I know all these things. And yet you forgave me and I forgive others the same way. I forgive this person the same way. That's a profound prayer. That's going to change your forgiveness life right there. Okay, but that's not my point. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Okay, we're not going to break this whole thing down because we don't have that much time left. But I want to just focus on one thing here. He's like, yes, you pray your kingdom come. Provide for my needs. And, And what does Jesus say? What does he teach us to pray? He says, let your will be done 
on earth. Let your will be done, not my will. Let your will be done. I can tell him all day what I think his will is, but I say, Lord, let your will be done. Now you skip over to Matthew chapter 26. This is Jesus walking out how he told us to pray in a very, very, very plain example for us. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 through 39. This is the night he was betrayed. This is the night of the passion of the Christ. This is this. It says this. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. No, 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 no. He was happy. Always. No, Jesus was fully man. You realize he, he had the emotions just like we do. He knew it was coming and it made him sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. He's like, I feel like I'm so sorrowful that I'm, I'm going to die. Like that's how bad he felt in this moment. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Folks, this is mind-blowing. Jesus asked not to be crucified in the garden. He didn't skip his way to Calvary. He experienced the grief and, and, and the soul-wrenching. He felt like he was going to die. That's how bad he felt. And even Jesus Christ, the Messiah, he said, if it's possible, I have an idea. <laughs> how many people have shared your idea with God? Hey, I've got an idea here. And I'm thinking, you know, if you just... The lottery would work, and, you know, that's, you made me, so this is your idea, too, really. But Jesus said, if it's possible, God, if there's any other way, any way at all, let this cup pass from me. And here's the profoundness. He says, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He's asking for anything. If anybody was asking for anything, Jesus knew what was on the line. The salvation of mankind. He's like, if it's possible to have salvation with mankind any other way, let's do that. But if not, I trust you, God. And we know, of course, he went to the cross. He was, he was crucified. He was, he, he was put to death for us. Praise the Lord for that. And he was risen again so that we can have life eternally. Do you trust him implicitly, folks? Or are your ideas God's ideas? <laughs> Listen, you can have the greatest ideas. You can be convinced they're God's. And yes, please do. Lay them out before him. Hold them up to him. Pray into them. Believe for them. But at the end of the day, if it's not, nevertheless, your will be done. If the storm comes and that idea is said no to, you don't get the G.I. Joe today. Not now, not later. Oh, I thought you loved me. You were never standing in faith to begin with. You were having a temper tantrum Christianity. Maybe it was a sophisticated manipulation. But did it work for you? God loves you so much. 
And he wants you to pray. He wants you to spend time. He wants you to intercede. But he also, more than anything, wants to show you that he loves you. And sometimes that means, no, you're not getting the G.I. Joe. Because I got something else for you. Do you trust me? Yeah, but I need it now. No, you know what? I got something better for you. It may not happen this year either. But I got something even better. Do you trust me? (gasps) Am I going to hold my breath until I pass out? Or am I going to find that place of, Lord, I'm all in no matter what. I trust you. I love you. And I lay my life down. Whatever you want. Lord, even though you slay me, I'll trust in you. I don't care. Even if you take my life, I'm with you. And then I get to go be with you forever. Because I'm telling you, nothing's lost, right? I guarantee you, if there's any way to spoil kids in heaven, my mom has found a way to spoil those twins. (laughs) Honestly, I haven't lost anything. My plan for it didn't, didn't come to pass. But I didn't lose anything. All things will be restored. I'm not telling us to to get lazy in prayer. I'm telling us to be steadfast in prayer. But I do want to say this, and please, I'm not prophesying in this moment. But if it so happens that in the last days there will be terrible times, if it so happens that there will be great persecution on people of faith in the last times, I believe believe that God will bless us in the last times. I also see it in the scripture that that there will be persecution, and yes, and. But I'll tell you what, if persecution were to come, and and the worst should happen, if if this is our posture toward the rest of the world, I'll get up. All you're telling the rest of the world is I never believed that garbage in the the first place. I never trusted that God in the first place. I was holding my breath for 40 years, just hoping that I'd get the best of this life and hoping that I'd get what was coming to me and I was hoping I would get my will be done. But when it came down to my will wasn't done, I'm I'm out. And I believe there will be a great, amazing, profound revival in the last days. People will come to Jesus like like never before. And it will happen because people of faith, even though the worst may smash you on the face, we stand here and smile and we say, I am blissfully content even though I'm in this circumstance. Because I know who I'm believed. I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which he's committed unto me until that day. I'm all in with him. He is real. He is true. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he is coming back. And I'm all in with him, no matter what. Do you realize the profound faith, the profound witness that has on people? And it goes beyond how you feel in the moment. Yeah, it's okay to get upset and all that, but you land in the Lord. Not my will, but your will be done. And I trust you so much. I'm all in to the end of the days. Could I get my ushers to come forward? We're going we're to take communion here together. This, what we, we call a communion, this is, the, this, is, this is when Jesus prophesied the covenant that we get to enter in. Not the commercial arrangement, but the covenant that he'd offered to us. And I will taste and see that you are good. I will taste 
I just feel like I need to say that one more thing. I pray bigger prayers now than I ever have. In fact, because of my time and my intimacy with the Lord, I'm blown away by the amount, the kind of prayers I'm allowed to pray. And so I, I don't want you to hear that we stop interceding and we stop praying. We pray for the bigger things always 
I'm just telling you, the act of trust and saying, yet your will be done, will only lead you into a deeper faith than you would ever thought possible. Because you're somehow in connection now with the God who created everything. And you're like, wow. And so we ask for anything. We pray, but we don't tantrumize it. We don't throw ourselves at the ground. We don't, we don't curse God and die. We say, I'm all in. I'm covenanting with you today. And so today, as we take this communion, the symbols of the new covenant, I would ask and I would encourage you that as we do this together, that if you've never really done that in your heart, make this a covenant between you and God saying, no matter what, I'm all in, Jesus. If this is a moment where you just feel like, yeah, I need, to, I need to repent of throwing God under the bus because I didn't see what I thought I needed to see, or, or you've never accepted Christ, this is your moment, or you just need that peace that comes when I give up my right to understand and I just rest in him. There's peace in the covenant. There's peace in the covenant with Jesus Christ. There's rest there. So if you stand with me, and let's make this an intimate moment. We hold this bread. This is what Jesus took. He took the bread and he broke it before this ever happened. And he said to his disciples, this is my body broken for you. I'm leading the way. I'm laying my life down. My body broken for you remember this. And so Jesus, as we remember your body broken for us, we trust you implicitly and we covenant with you. We're all in no matter what. Let's take the bread together. And he took the cup, he poured the wine, and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. Praise Jesus for the new covenant. Praise Jesus for the new covenant. Paves the way so that he, he became sin, who didn't know any sin, so that we could be the righteousness of God. That's what this blood symbolizes. I can find rest in his shed blood, forgiveness of sin. He took on the imperfection so that we could become his perfection in Christ Jesus. So Jesus, we remember this, and we receive your peace. We trust you implicitly, and we covenant with you. We're all in with Jesus Christ forever, and we take this together. There's peace and trust, folks. There is rest in trust. And I would encourage you, even though your emotions do this, even though your circumstances do this, smile in the storm. Praise in the storm. Sleep in the storm. That's what Jesus did. Worked out for him. Pray big prayers. But let's be the living example of what trust and faith look like. We will walk out of here. We will live the life of faith because Jesus is who he said he is. And he's coming back for a bride that is stainless and without wrinkle. And that's you. And that's me. And so praise his name. God bless you as you go. And walk the walk of faith. Amen? God bless you. 
Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you would like to partner with our ministry, please visit us at welcomenewlifeassembly.org.